Here at Doxadeo Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Can you imagine a world where nobody has a name? I mean, there is no number or symbol or even a distinct sound by which you and I are called. What would we lose in a world like this? What would go missing? Well, firstly, I believe that we would miss the ease of talking to someone in a personal sense. I mean, how would you even get their attention? Um, to say, hey, you, surely it does not come natural in anyone's normal conversation. It must be dreadful to repeat over and over again. And not only will we miss the ease of talking to someone, we'll also miss the ease of talking about someone. I mean, how will you even be able to refer to who you are talking about? How is it able to designate any kind of praise to someone? You know what? Names are really important. In fact, they're so important that it's one of the first things we see God do and we see God delegate in His creation. Genesis 1. God called the light day and the darkness He called night. Genesis chapter 2. Out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called these living creatures, that was their name. Names are essential. They are essential for the foundation of how we do relationship, how we know who we are and how we can relate to this world. There's this remarkable story of Jesus in the Gospel of John. The setting, the Garden of Gethsemane. The timing, it's night. It's the night that Jesus gets arrested. And in the distance you can hear the sound of a hundred Roman soldiers approaching. All of them ready to do one thing and one thing only. To capture the man they call Jesus of Nazareth. They were carrying torches, lanterns, weapons. And Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Yes, you heard right. The greatest military force on the planet falls to the ground when Jesus claims a name. What's happening here? Well, I'll tell you. Jesus is taking on the divine name in Exodus chapter 3, where God says, I am that I am. There's no beginning to me. There's no ending to me. There's no becoming and there's no changing. I am. I am the mighty God. I am the everlasting Father. I am the Prince of Peace. I am the wonderful Counselor. I am Emmanuel God with us. I am the Word of Life. I am the Light of the World. I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. I am Yahweh, the Great I Am. And because I am, you are. So join us today as we're going to look at the Great I Am. And discover two of his names. Jesus, the man of sorrow. And Jesus, 
the King of Kings. We've all felt alone, abandoned, sad. When we feel sorrow, we feel sorry for ourselves. But there was a man of sorrows whose sorrow dwarfs our worst. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not, writes Isaiah. We cannot explain everything about the cross, but this much is clear. Jesus took the place of guilty sinners and paid the price for our salvation. Perhaps nowhere else in the Bible is the dilemma of the human condition on the one hand, but also the living hope we have in Christ on the other, clearer spelled out than in Romans 3 from verse 23. We read there, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. And it was by means of the agony of the cross that Jesus affected this. Charles Spurgeon, writing about the man of sorrow, says, Christ and sorrow were on such intimate terms they might have changed names. Sorrow, he wrote, was Christ's peculiar token and mark. Christ was the Lord of grief, the Prince of pain, and the Emperor of anguish. He was preeminent among the sorrowful. Spurgeon writes, other may sip at sorrow's bowl, but he drains it dry. Bringing his thoughts to a point, Spurgeon said, all men's sorrows were his sorrows. His heart was so large that it was inevitable that he should become a man of sorrows. When you and I hurt, we find comfort in the fact that Jesus is the man of sorrows. He experienced sorrow and anxiety beyond imagination in Gethsemane, where his human and his divine natures were engaged in a brutal wrestling match about his imminent arrest and his immense suffering and horrifying death on the cross. God's Son, eternally united to his Father, his Father who declared, This is my beloved Son, was crushed by no, when yes could have healed sorrow in an instant. Jesus knew heart-wrenching sorrow when his most trusted companions, the twelve, deserted him in his most vulnerable moments. And so, his empathy isn't theoretical, but he knows what it's like to feel as we do when we are dejected and depressed, devalued and in despair. God the Son knows and shares in our suffering. He is with us even when we are overcome by grief and despair. In time, He will deliver us from the pains of this world. In the meanwhile, our hearts are encouraged by the knowledge that Jesus is with us, that He understands, that He feels with us. Which emotion do you associate Easter with? Is it an emotion of sadness or an emotion of celebration? Considering the cross of Jesus, 
Which emotion usually do you associate it with? Emotion of sadness or of celebration? I want to tell you about the biggest irony that this world has ever seen. The biggest irony that ever took place was the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus. Jesus claimed to be God. And I believe that the reason why Jesus was crucified was because of this claim, because of blasphemy. The Jews heard the claim of Jesus to be God himself, and because of this sin of blasphemy, they killed him. The irony, however, was that it was God claiming to be God, and therefore not blasphemy at all, because Jesus was God. The world didn't know what to do with Jesus. Uh, for the Jews, Jesus was very offensive because he claimed to be their king, not only their Lord, but also their king. But they had a king in King Herod. Also, the Roman government didn't know what to do with Jesus because they also had an emperor in Caesar. So what do you do with this Jesus that is claiming to be a God and a Lord and also the king of kings? In Matthew 27, we read, They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his hand, then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. In verse 37, Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. They mocked him. They didn't know what to do with Jesus, so they ended up mocking Jesus for claiming that he is king. Mocking him, saying this is the king of the Jews. Bowing in front of him, putting a, a, a crown of thorns on his head. The irony, however, is he was all of those things. He is the only one that deserves to wear a crown and a robe, a kingly robe. He's the only one that deserves to be bowed before. The irony of the cross what he, that is that he was, in fact, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was, in fact, the God he claimed to be. Philippians 2 verses 9 to 11 tells us the following, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every knee will bow before the King of Kings. Every knee will bow before Jesus. Those in heaven, those on the earth, and even those under the earth, the Bible says, even those that mocked Jesus will bow down before him and confess that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Every creature in this universe. The Bible tells us also, Romans 14 verse 11, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. Revelation 1 verse 7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I want to quickly read to you a scripture in Revelation 5 that gives us a bit of a sneak peek into heaven that tells us how Jesus and the cross is celebrated in heaven. 
we are celebrating Easter today. Today is Good Friday. And I want to give you a bit of a cue on how we should be celebrating Easter. We should be doing it in the same way that heaven is doing it. And can I just give you this clue that when we look at the way that heaven is doing it, heaven is not having a funeral for Jesus. Heaven is having a victory parade for the King of Kings. Revelation 5 verse, from verse 11 to 14 says the following. Then I looked and I heard the, the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice were singing. So everyone in heaven is coming together singing this one song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped him. All of creation will bow down before Jesus and confess that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Even those that do not acknowledge Jesus in this life, there will come a time that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now, let me ask you that question again. Which emotion do you associate Easter with? Which emotion do you associate the cross with? Isn't it an emotion of sadness or of celebration? Let me tell you this, friend, on Good Friday, when we celebrate the cross, it is not a time to feel guilty about your sin that Jesus had to go and die for. It is a time to celebrate the fact that Jesus on the cross has overcome your sin. Easter is not a time to have a funeral for Jesus. It is a time to have a victory parade for the King of Kings. That is how heaven celebrates him. My Jesus is the Lord of Lords. My Jesus is the King of Kings. That's his name. We're going to have communion now. And I've invited my good friend Brent uh, to come and join me. And I want to encourage you, if you are watching this at home, to maybe even just quickly press pause and get some communion ready for yourself. And also just gather around those who are together. Because I really think that communion is something that we should celebrate together uh, as families and so Brent it's so good to have you with me yes. and uh, just remember this is not the good question show show so this is serious, oh, no yeah, it's serious. well it's not actually serious you know it's, it's actually a celebration I mean so many times we look at communion and we say mm. it needs to be the somber moment but actually it's a celebration as you shared earlier yeah. you know the cross shows us this victorious and glorious King Jesus and we should be celebrating this King's Amen. triumph I mean, if a king wins, there is a banquet that has been thrown and that we can enjoy in this banquet. Amen. And it's fun. It is a major celebration of what Jesus yes. has done. Yeah. yeah. So often in church, even when it's just like uh, with uh, um, 
the cross, also mm. in communion. Mm. Uh, I think oftentimes we, we make this, this a very emotional, sad moment. Um, we think about all of our sin and the fact that we've put Jesus on the cross. And even though that is true, and sometimes there's place for that, the reality is also, like we said earlier, this is a victory parade. Yes. It's celebrating the fact that there is victory over our sin. And that's what today is all about. So. Uh, take us into communion. Yes. So let's yeah. take some communion. So if you have any bread, let's break bread together. And this bread symbolizes this, is the body that Jesus has broken Amen. for us. His body that was put on the cross and broken for us. His brokenness led to our wholeness. Amen. And that is the beautiful picture of this moment. We're now going to enjoy the wine together or the juice. Um, so you're welcome to take that. Um, and when we take this together, this symbolizes the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that was a sacrifice for us, for the atonement of our sins. In the Old Testament, there were priests that sacrificed daily and each year they would bring sacrifices for the sin of the people. But Jesus came and the Bible says he sacrificed once for all. And so when we have this together, we are actually celebrating and making a statement that what Jesus has done for us was enough. The work is finished. There's no more offering needed after the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. So I want to challenge you. We want to do something different today. And so when we take this, just a small gesture of doing it in a different way today, is we're going to cheers our little glasses as a way of celebrating this victory parade uh, today. And when we do that, we're going to say it is finished. It is finished. Those are the words that Jesus uttered on the cross in the end, saying, It is finished. No more sacrifice needed. So let's do that together. So it, it is, is finished. finished. Well, let's pray together. Jesus, as we are so excited about what you've done for us on the cross, Father, because of your sacrifice of what you've done, Jesus, has given us life and life in abundance. May we celebrate and may we remember what you have done for us breaking yourself so that we could be whole and live a life of celebration, of celebration of what you've done to give us life, Father. Thank you that you are good, Jesus, and thank you that you've given your life for us. And may we continue to give our lives to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brent. Thanks, uh, we're going to go into a time of worship now. We're going to be singing a song, King of Kings. Let us celebrate our King Jesus together. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.